Testing, one, two, three. Good. Testing. Let me test my voice now. No oh, clipping. We're you're good. You're a little louder. No, we're, well, I'm louder because I have a deeper voice. Do we have to not talk over each other? We can talk over each oh other. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> that was good. Hey, it's Lisa, and I'm here with Mr. Mad Money Monster, as always, and we're back for another episode of the Mad Money Monster Show. This is episode 24? Okay, well then it's not like an anniversary kind of No, but still, that's pretty good, right? We're getting there. (laughs) So do you know what geo-arbitrage is? Tell me. Well, I think I'd like to talk about that today, if you're okay with it. I have no choice. I'm here. (laughs) Well... Certainly, you've heard of uh, different areas being less or more expensive based on the area. So a low-cost living area, high-cost living area. Um, Geo-arbitrage is designing a life that allows you the freedom, more more financial freedom. So oftentimes, uh, early retirees might choose to live in a lower cost of, or relocate, really, and design a lifestyle around a low-cost of living area. Um, so they can pursue uh, early retirement. Yeah, I, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I lived in the um, the Poconos of Pennsylvania. You did. Yes, <laughs> I, I did. I and think you mentioned that. I time have or mentioned two. it. Yes, and uh, the Poconos w- were ground zero for the the great migration from New York and New Jersey. Well, now let's talk about that because uh, geo arbitrage can be done at the domestic or international level. So sure. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the people that make splashes in the media are doing it at the international level. So they're, you know, they're saving X amount to retire early. But in order to, you know, do that, they need to move to the hills of Nicaragua. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Or you know, design a lifestyle where they can they can live off of their nest egg or. Uh, a, a lower, you know, a, a lower amount of money. Well, well look, I, I get all of that. The reason why people moved to the Poconos, other than to get out of the city, were because of the low taxes. So that's domestic. Right. So, so they, let's they, talk it was about a lower that. cost of living, and that's why they did it, but they got royally screwed. Well, this was the time frame of what? This was 2000. You're talking about a specific time frame or, or not? We're, we're talking from the 1980s all the way through. There were, there were many different levels of of migration to the Poconos. The Poconos originally started as as a vacation area. Correct. And then they put the highway system in in the 1950s, which then took Route 1 from New York and New Jersey, which would take you well over three hours to get to Pennsylvania. And the highway system then made it basically 90 minutes, as, as the New Yorkers used to like to say, from the George Washington Bridge to the toll booth in Delaware Water Gap. When they talked 90 minutes, they meant from the George Washington Bridge in New York City to the toll bridge in Delaware Water Gap. So the highway system, Route 80, uh, seemed like this great shortcut, which allowed the Poconos to go from a vacation community to a bedroom community. That 90 minutes they're talking about is not door to door. No, it's that, not door That to is door. like you're talking two right. hours plus. Correct. But they don't tell you that. And the real estate community also got behind that and made it like we're just a quick jump from New York City. And they advertise low taxes and big and empty schools that can take care of your kids and, and cheap real estate and, and the whole thing, which flooded people in, especially from the late 1980s. But these people weren't necessarily retiring early. 
They no, were just no, looking no, no. for I'm a not, low cost of living area. Correct. I'm not, were, yeah, yeah. I'm not using retiring correct. as as no, part of my, my data. I'm saying that there was a vast uh, transplant from the city areas in New York and New Jersey into the Poconos for a cheaper cost of living. So when you bring up geo-arbitrage, it reminds me of that because while there are many positives to this kind of thing, and this episode really isn't to pass judgment on anything like that, but it is to ask some important questions. Some what ifs, right? right? Some what ifs. And and as we go through, I'm going to come back and kind of relate it to the what ifs because when I taught, I taught the children of these people and mm-hmm. I got to see the migration firsthand. And the implications, and the implications on, on the family members. Correct, and the consequences yes. as such. So as many of our, our listeners already know, we're kind of, a, I'd say we're more traditional as far as what we're going after and what we enjoy as far as a lifestyle. You would agree. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, um, we're not I out mean, there or anything like that. We did try part-time van life and that kind of crashed and burned. But that's also a testament to us trying something. We tried. I wouldn't thinking, say it crashed and burned. It just didn't really, it, it failed to launch. We, we yeah, tried that's, it. And, yeah, failed to launch is a great Yeah, yeah, that, yeah That's yeah. really it. So we're very intrigued and amazed and maybe a little bit skeptical, I guess, when we when we read these stories um, of people leaving the U.S. for other countries to retire early. Look, I'm always dubious of the media anyway, and that is because I work in the, the entertainment field. And, you know, it's, it's all about cherry picking what you want people to know and understand and, and telling the narrative is really what it is. So if the narrative fits... The media outlet, then that's what will come out. And that's why people have to be very discerning, whether it's in their media or their entertainment. I, I'm, I'm not going to spout fake news. What I'm trying to say is, no matter what news outlet our, our news sources come from, we need to be very smart and also use common sense in decoding and deciphering. Well, yeah, what no we're matter getting. what. No matter what. I mean, it's impossible for, for humans to not lean one way or right. another. So with these stories, you know, yes, the, a lot of them are very positive. They they moved to another country and it all went great. And it's all, uh, you know, Shangri-La and it's, it's, it's beautiful. But we know that that's not always the case. And the reason why is I watch the area that I grew up in get advertised as that very thing. <laughs> okay. And, right. and we knew the real story behind things. And we'll get into that as we go. Right. But why don't you talk a little bit about, first of all, the whole international geo-arbitrage? Well, it's the same concept. Like I said, yeah. you know, they're moving. Um, some of these uh, U.S. Uh, citizens are relocating to other countries to um, ha- to experience a lower cost of living so they can retire early and be, you know, have their family time, have more time with their family, have more time to travel, have... but. We always see these stories, and it sparks this debate. Not a not a debate. I'd say discussion. We're asking questions. We're as, we're always asking, and what that's if what this? we have what today. That? And right. what, yeah, so we're just going to throw out some questions. So maybe if it's on your radar, and you're maybe considering this for yourself in the future, maybe some of these questions will be something that you'll want to dig into a little bit more because we don't necessarily have the answers right we're just (laughs) right we don't have the answers so if anybody feel free um to uh to send us an email at the mad money monster at gmail.com and and tell us the real story or give us the facts and so let's dive into it so number one one of the biggest reasons people cite for doing this is healthcare, the cost of healthcare. because if you want to retire early in the states to be able to afford 
um, healthcare is is a, some sometimes a big hurdle for people. So healthcare is obviously handled differently in other countries depending on where you go. Um, it could be a socialized sort of thing. It could be just out of pocket, less expensive. Uh, so there's that. But we we always say, well, what if like something major happens? Like because a lot of these people are moving, they're young, they're healthy. You know, so they're in the prime of their lives. They might have children, they might not. But that that is a big what if that comes to our mind. Because what if something happens and you're not healthy anymore? Those things happen, like a, a chronic illness or your child becomes, you know, seriously Or you Ill. have a car accident. Or, yeah, I just don't. Anything. You fall down the side of a hill and break your spine and you're paralyzed from the from the legs down. Who knows? Right. It's, it's, a, it's a fair question to ask. No one's trying to poke holes in the geo-arbitrage movement. It's just simply, whenever what you're if? moving, whether you're moving domestically, a lot of the people that I knew that transplanted from New York to Pennsylvania or New Jersey from Pennsylvania, they... They regretted it. And when I asked them, I said, well, didn't you ask about this? Didn't you mm-hmm. check into that? And a lot of times the answer was no. I think I think what our, where we come, when we say what if, what if, when it comes to healthcare, I think for us, one, we're very conservative when it comes to healthcare. Um, but two, I think we're always looking toward the future and we're always thinking sure. in the future. So what happens if you're older and things are starting to break down and... I don't know. Is well, and, and you look at you look at the sufficient. way the media portrays. Like, there are certain elements of the media that portray that you know uh, socialized medicine in other countries uh, is just you know the the perfect system and everything is great. And yet, many of the people that live in these countries will tell you, absolutely not. Well, that is one point. I you know I have I have a friend who grew up in um, Eastern Europe, and she she often says that the socialized medicine is just right waiting list it's just awful and her parents wait i mean her parents are still there and they wait and they wait and they wait to get into specialists and things like that so again but i don't know i don't have that experience right. so it's just something to consider so that's or you one have to thing. consider the technological advancement of the country that you're going to some people are not relocating to australia or france or things like that they're locating Basically, to very underdeveloped or third world countries where maybe the the medical practice and, and the medical technology is just simply not there. Right. And you have to consider it. And right. All of these things have to be looked at before just uprooting, especially taking children, going to tropical countries where there are mosquitoes and other parasites and diseases that are not up here in, in the northern part of the hemisphere. Now, I must say, though, a lot of the people doing this, I mean, the, the early retirees, I am sure have, you know, done all the research I mean, they, they, these are smart people. If you are smart enough to retire early, to retire by 40, um, you're smart enough to do the research and make a really informed decision. But these are the things that aren't necessarily covered in some of these stories, which is, leaves well, us questioning what I As the devil's advocate on that end, I watched, you know, smart people make really bad moves relocating simply from New York, New Jersey to well, Pennsylvania. You, you you make a very good point. I mean, we're smart people and we've done really stupid and Right, things. everybody <laughs> does. I'm saying when you, some people get very passionate about what they do and they jump into it. And, and we'll be talking about that later where something sounds great in a discussion, but in practice, it may not be the best thing. So, kind of like the van life, right? <laughs> right. For us, that was the van life thing. However, we're just saying we're asked, that's a question that really should be asked. Yes. Okay, two... What if you change your mind? Right. So 
obviously you everybody has the right to change their mind um are you going to feel pressure to press on you know because you made this decision and you don't want to look foolish and you don't want to hear people say i told you so um but more so than that is it as simple as just moving back can you just move back that's a question i don't know well can you just move back legally probably do all the proper paperwork whatever you retain your american citizenship and uh yeah probably so uh the the thing is if you quit your job and you did all of this and you basically have have sold your home and you cannot just go right back i mean i don't know again some people may say well we're going to keep our home Look, you can get into all the minutiae of it. My point is there were many people, and I'm always going to use the analogy here of the New York transplant to Pennsylvania because it's on the smaller scale and the domestic scale. Well, and, you have the experience and there were people yeah. that came here that suddenly after six months living here, like one person said, I can't stand the crickets. <laughs> I need sirens. I need car horns. I can't stand these damn bugs. That's what they said. And they said, if I would have known this, I would have never sold my house in Staten Island and moved wow. all the way out here. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Wow. You know, or I had no idea the winners were going to be like this. Yeah. And my my answer back is, well, at the time I heard a lot of this, you had a thing called the internet. That's one. Number two, that's why we have a vacation bureau. That's why we have a real estate bureau. That's why you should come down here and check things out year round before you decided to just up and move and throw the house up for sale and just move to the Poconos and think you bought yourself a little piece of Eden, you might have wanted to come down here in the wintertime to see what things are like. (laughs) Okay? So there was a lot of that. Or I didn't know the people were going to be this way. And the number one thing was I didn't know that wages were so much lower than in New York City or Trenton or Edison or wherever, Secaucus, wherever they came from, there was a huge pay gap. Which kept them working in the Which, city. Right. Okay, I see. So they moved for a lower, lower cost of living. They were commuting. Correct. And then, obviously, that commute is a monster. We're talking two hours plus. Look, they were sold a bad bill of goods because many of the realtors in the area told them, oh, passenger rail service is coming. Now, they Mm -hmm. didn't even say, they weren't even specific enough to say passenger. They said the train is coming. Well, let me tell you (laughs) something. The train was coming and has still been coming since I was in sixth grade. That's when Jimmy Carter was in office. (laughs) There's still no train. And what they don't tell you is when the train finally does come, it will be freight. And not passenger service for at least five years after that. So this train that they keep talking about is still years off. But they would say, and they would put it in the real estate. I used to go to the builders and used to see pamphlets. The coming train, how easy from, you know, Pennsylvania to, you know, to New York. Blah, blah, blah. Just take the train into Penn Station. That's what it'll be. So the takeaway is, but... Okay, but if they're saying that, I guess you can check that. You can check that. Yeah, you need to check that. This is the research that needs you to be done. You can check it by just talking to the locals. Correct. Correct. Okay, and that's you know the other thing. If you change your mind, that's fine. Everybody, as you said, is entitled to change their mind. But if you did no reconnaissance beforehand, if right. you didn't go into the area you're moving into and possibly even just talking to the local grocer, I'm not saying you go around knocking door to door, right. but what I am saying is you, know, you talk to the people in the park or whatever and you hear what they have to say. You pick up a local newspaper and you read the crime statistics. You pick up you know, uh, local literature there 
and and you you look at what the area is I like. I mean, today it's all online. It's even exactly. easier. Exactly. Yeah. It's even easier. Yeah. So you try to lessen the impact of changing your mind and you look at the wildlife. Like I said, those people, the bugs, the crickets, I can't stand it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you make a good point about uh, the the workforce. So let's say someone does move to a different country. They retire early. They're doing the, the international geo arbitrage and decide, you know what? I miss working. I want to go back to the workforce. I want to go back yeah. to my field of study right. and make a, an impact. Um, can you just do that? I mean, look, even if you do it in the States, even if you retire early, we've talked before about the challenges, the potential challenges about losing time in your field, losing, uh, not keeping up with the latest advancements and maybe being a little bit outdated with your skills. However, if you choose to go back into the workforce and try to get a, a job in your field of study, in your new location, is that even possible? Does right. that even exist where you right. live? And you know, if it does, is it going to be? Is it going to pay you? Most likely, I guess not. Obviously, not. It's not going to pay you what you would have earned in the states. And would you be be okay with that? Right. I guess these are things that you would want to think through. Sure. Um, and again, we're just asking the question. Exactly. What if? Yes. And here's another big one: um, personal safety. Yes. So look, crime happens everywhere. I mean, look, we're on the Nextdoor app and we're always reading, you know, there's oftentimes car break-ins sure. on, you know, the, the street, you know, a couple streets over from us. So we have to, you know, be aware of our surroundings. Well, Everybody let's, let's, does. Let's not sugarcoat it. And that is you can go into different countries where they don't have the same security systems, police forces, or most of all, maybe even well intentions for foreigners. So you are that's moving true. into an area where there could be high crime. You don't know what's going That's why, again, pick up a local newspaper down there. <laughs> read the crime statistics, the arrest records, the police blotters, all of that stuff, and find out because security is a big thing. Well, and the thing of it is a lot of the countries that uh, might be on the, the list for relocation um, you you might stick out like a sore thumb for the rest of your life. There's nothing you're going to be able to do about that. Right. So is it going to be safe? Is it going to be safe for you, not only you, your your spouse, your partner, your, your children. children? One thing, like robberies that occur. Uh, some countries, violent rob- robberies they're talking about sure. even. Um, and obviously a, a quote-unquote rich American might be a target right. for for such a robbery. Um, and then the, there's the human trafficking look, issue. That, right, there's that, human trafficking. Look, I know it happens in the States. You I have know to it bring does. This it happens up. everywhere. It happens everywhere. But, or, but you have to bring these things up if you're relocating into a whole different area. And most of all, you have people, and we, we've looked at some of those those interviews, you have people that relocated that don't even speak the language of the area that they've moved into. Well, yeah, and that's, that's another hurdle. I mean, you're going to have to most likely learn a new language, right. which <laughs> as we get older, we know it's more difficult right. to learn languages. So that's something else to consider as well. Um, and then I have some, this is, this is an interesting one. If you're, if you're doing this with children, okay, two sides of the coin. What if the kids hate it and you love it? At what point do you say this isn't working for our family as a whole? We're moving back. Um, or do you not do that? Do you give it, do you say this is our life now? We adjust here. 
um, how much power, I guess, do you give children in your family unit if they really don't like the move? Okay, so here I'm going to relate it back again to the local area of, of New York to Pennsylvania. And that is I saw a number of children uh, in my classes that were going home, getting off the bus, picking up their younger siblings when the elementary bus ran because the parents aren't getting home till eight, nine o'clock at night from the commute from New York City or into Jersey or wherever mm-hmm. it is that they worked. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people, at first they come in and they're gung-ho, yeah, I can't wait to do this, it's gonna be great. And and you know we're gonna commute and it's all gonna be fine. And then after two, three years of doing that, it gets old pretty fast. Yeah, and you're not exhausting. with your family. The kids are growing up without you. Suddenly little Sally isn't one anymore and she's five and you've spent most of your time in a car and that there was nothing out here for the kids a lot of these kids were teenagers that I taught they they were they had fun on the streets they there was always something to do there was always uh you know a store open a restaurant open the parks were open and they their parents moved them to places where basically the sidewalks rolled up at seven o'clock at night <laughs> and there was nothing for them to do no community centers no nothing it wasn't home for them they were bored right they were, they not, were more they were... than bored and then they turned into caretakers of their homes because their parents aren't home at eight till eight nine o'clock and when they do get home they're exhausted a lot of these kids had food on the table for their parents. They're making dinner for their parents. And the kids hated it. And they wanted to go back. Yeah. And most of the parents were like, nope. Right. We bought this. We sold our house. Right. We're here. Right. Suck it up. And that bore resentment from the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it, it is important for everyone to be on the same page. But look, again, I bet... A lot of people are on the same page. A lot of families are prior to the move. Sure. Because you can't predict how you are really going to react and well, feel I had kids when say, you're there. All my friends are back in New York. Yeah. You know? Well, and again, you were teaching teenagers, so that's a lot. That's tough when you're when you're already established with your core group sure. of friends. Younger children, it's going to be easier Yeah, yeah uh, I get it. to I transplant get it. them and have them be successful. But um, let's talk about the flip side of that coin. What if you hate it and the kids love it? Right. I mean, <laughs> again, you know, who, yes, I know the parents are the parents and the parents make the decisions and all those things, but um, how much weight do you give to the other members of the family, even the young members of the family? Uh, if you're hating it and they're loving it, do you tough it out because you want to see them be successful and and thrive in their new environment, this environment that you set up for them? Um, And at what point do you say, okay, you're now established with your adult life, we're moving back to the States, and then you have a familial divide. Yeah. Um, So your your children are, you know, and that could be the same, that could be on the other side of the coin too. If If the kids move back to the States and you stay, you know, then you might have grandchildren in different countries and things like that. We don't have answers for this. We're asking these questions. Because this is what we talk about when we right. see these stories. And and that's the thing that people who are actually considering this, I really hope are. For example, before before we go on to the next one, my mother was, I knew my mother was dying by early 2000. And in my previous marriage, we thought of relocating to Maine. For a lot of things. And now we're talking Pennsylvania to Maine. To Maine. Pennsylvania to Maine. So that is Maine. not, that is, that is like a, a domestic geo-arbitrage. Right. But it's still, I wouldn't say, um, it's not going to make the papers. No. Let's say that. No, it's not going to make the papers. <laughs> However, we went up for a week. 
We went up for a week and we talked to locals. We went into the libraries. We went into uh, the real estate centers. We went into their vacation bureau. We talked to restaurant owners and waitresses and people like that and waiters. We talked to people about their town in the area where we thought we were going to go. And we went into the school districts and we talked to them and I talked to the the proper people if I was going to transplant up there. And I found, first of all, that there, where we wanted to go, there was very little economy. And if I was going to teach, I'd probably also have to drive bus in the afternoon. So you wouldn't make nearly as much as you were. There was no state standard for education. Uh, Many of the schools were unaccredited. And they did not do any type of state assessment, and they had huge dropout rates. So you weren't necessarily thinking of moving for a financial reason. It was more of a lifestyle. Well, it was a lifestyle, but it was also a financial reason because the taxes were going up so Ah, high. I see. Because of all people moving in from New York and New Jersey, (laughs) so they're pushing out us. Yes. And here was the other thing. I also knew my mother was sick, and I knew she wasn't going to get better. Right. And it was going to be an ongoing thing. And I I had said, we're only going to move up there to have to come back. So that brings me to another point that we, another what if that we discuss, you know, as I've mentioned before, a lot of people doing this are on the younger side of, of life. Uh, What happens if a loved one, like, for example, a parent um, becomes ill, 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 meaning they're not getting better. This is end stages sort yes. of thing do you move back do you you know how do you handle right. what that? if you have no siblings or any other right. you know to take care well, of well even if you do i mean maybe you don't want to miss out on I understand. some time left trust me i understand <laughs> yes so how does that figure into the equation are do you plan on making you know return trips over several year years through trips that you hadn't had hadn't originally planned on or budgeted or budgeted and then that increases right. that your increases cost of your living cost of so living. you're kind of uh in a situation where you you didn't um plan on anyway uh so that's another thing that we talk about sure. like just just things like that um i, I mean Again, this can this can be domestically as well. We know that people live on opposite sides of this country. Yes. So the, the same thing goes for that. However, I I don't know, but I think sometimes it could be easier to travel from West Coast to East Coast U.S. than it might be from a different country back sure. home. I don't know. Especially if you live in a remote area of that country. Well, that's true. Yes. Yes. So, so there's that. But let's talk a little bit more about the specifics. I mean, you have... When we say you have firsthand knowledge, you really do with the domestic. Yes. Um, but you even dated someone who did buy into the dream, right? Who was working in the city. So talk a little bit about that person's uh, experience with... with um, Geo-arbitrage? Well, they weren't... I guess they were doing geo-arbitrage sure they were. a bit. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were. Yeah. I mean, so she moved She moved out from the city. She moved out from the city. She moved out of Queens, out to the Poconos, to two the suburbs, children. Right? She was divorced. Um, but, had a, but had a good career in the had city. Had a good career in the city, a very good career, making good money. Uh, moved all the way out here, built a house, into development. Uh, thought she was living the dream. The only problem was uh, her dream ended at 3.45 in the morning when she woke up (laughs) to get ready to go into work. And that is on a normal day without snow or ice or anything like that. If it was snow or ice and because she had to work, 
she would take the bus line in, which will then oh. add to your time travel. But 3.45 in the morning was a standard time for her to be up. Most times she was not getting through the door until 6, 6.30 at night. Okay. And wh- okay, if you're getting up at 3.45 a.m., what time are you going to bed? What- she would be in bed by 8 o'clock, 7, 8 o'clock. So she would have what? She would eat two dinner. hours at best with right. her at, children. That's what I was just saying before with teaching. The same thing. The kids are making the dinners for the parents as they crawl through the door. Wow. At eight, nine o'clock, the parents are so exhausted they barely have time to go, How was your day? <laughs> and and they're they're in bed to get up to do it all again. And I used to say to my students, So how does it feel to have your parents move you all the way out here to have grass and trees raise you? <laughs> because that's what it was. Well, look, I mean I mean, we can't the parents thought when they made the decision, this was the right thing to do for yeah, everyone, Yeah, most of right? them it was for the right but thing like to do. But like you said, they thought the train was coming. They and thought now, the did tra- she think well, the train was coming? Yes. Uh-huh. She thought the train okay. was coming. And they not only did they think the train was coming, they were told it's an easy commute. It's only And at first you're thinking, yeah, it's only 90 minutes to get out of what you want to get out of there. Safer uh, communities, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that, that, that'll be easy. And after a year and a half, two years, three years, four years of doing that, Suddenly that 90 minutes is just not so easy So anymore. when you knew her, how long, how many years were, was she doing the commute? Oh, she had been doing it six years. So she knew at that point, obviously, that the train was not coming. No, not she com- still believed it was coming. Oh, okay. A lot of them still do because okay. it's, it's a myth that is perpetuated by the builders and the real estate. And I know that for a fact because I used to hear them laughing about it at meetings and community meetings. Wow. They used to joke about it. Hey, how about that train? <laughs> they all knew it wasn't coming. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you get you become so entrenched. Like, okay, let's say for you know the sake of the podcast, let's say she does realize the train is not coming. Yeah. I'm sure many of them do. Oh yeah. I'm sure many of them after years of yes, doing this. Community- but there's still some who hope springs sure. eternal. But so, what did they do at that point? Well, that's when it comes you know, down to the, children, the previous questions. Do we stay or do right. we go? Now your children are older. Now they're more or, entrenched in their social circles. Let's let's go because we want to stay on track with yeah, this. I'm but sorry, let's yeah. also go with what happens when they're sick of their job in the city and they want to work here. And the problem was a secretary in New York City will make 85000 a year. But in Pennsylvania, where they were coming to, they're lucky to see twenty-five to twenty-seven-five. Yeah, and they're I mean, like, "We can't live on this. Mm-hmm. I can't do this." Well, you should have thought about that before you moved in. Yeah. Or when one of them said, "We're we're going to remodel our home," and when they knocked down our wall, the insulation was newspaper. Oh. Because they weren't here because the builders know they're not here to inspect anything and they pay off all the inspectors. And, and it's just like, well, those specific builders, whoever they were, and, and they know nobody's looking. Wow. And that's exactly what went on. So you have to check where you're going to, like yeah. really thoroughly. Like you got to lift the carpet and look under there with a <laughs> flashlight and make sure that everything is in place. And like you mentioned before, when we talk about this, and ext- a several extended stays is probably a really good idea. Yeah, at least. Yeah. At least. Several extended stays. Extended space. like two weeks. A yes. Week, two weeks. And in different time, different times of the year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely highly recommend that. Um, so, okay, other things to consider. Some countries uh, require you to leave periodically. 
mm-hmm. to maintain your visa. Your visa, yeah. So I could see that being a hurdle, especially as people age, especially as they become more dependent on... And immobile. And immobile. Um, so is that does that requirement hold true until the end of your life? Like, are you required at, you know, 90 years old to to get out of the country for a period of time? And if so, are you going to be willing slash able to do so? Right. I, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know. Maybe there's something that you can apply for due to medical conditions and, and it's waived. Well, we're, we're extrapolating. Again, we yes. Should, yeah, but, but that's a good question. But something to look into, yes. Another thing. What if your corner of paradise that you found due to news coverage and popularity becomes another high cost of living area? Well, that's what happened to the Poconos. (laughs) The Poconos was the best kept secret on the East Coast. For a while, it was the Adirondacks that were the big place for the city people to go. And then suddenly people discovered the Poconos and it became the best known secret on the East Coast. And then the Poconos blew up. That's exactly what you're talking about there, where we did have low taxes. We did have big, nice schools and beautiful, right. you know, beautiful small communities. And then those communities got flooded out by everybody coming in. Right. And, you know, the transportation systems couldn't handle it. And, you know, the local economy couldn't handle it. And it, it just went on and on. And the tax base rose and the schools right. definitely couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what happens when everybody goes, oh, I want to go there? Right. Okay. Right. Look, when I saw the movie Roxanne back in 1987 with Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah, (laughs) they shot it in Nelson, British Columbia. And when I walked out of that theater, it's like, I want to move to Nelson, British Columbia. (laughs) That is a beautiful place. And you know what? When I talk to people, a lot of them say the same thing. When I saw that movie, I wanted to move Uh, there too. And I'm sure the Nelsonites up there probably were very happy to have the movie come there and film, but probably didn't want 50,000 people moving into (laughs) their nice little community. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, we're seeing the same thing happen in our little town here where it used to be a much lower cost of living area. Yes. And now it's creeping up and up and up and up. Property taxes are going up. Oh my goodness. Congestion is getting insane because we've been featured in the New York Times. We've been featured as one of the best places in America to live. That's right. This is all in the past, you know, five or so years. And leave it just one big periodical to to publish that article and people will flood in. Yeah. So... Uh, just things to consider. Let's. So I don't know. I don't have much more, but let's end on a. Well, a, let's talk about the pets real quick. That's what I wanted to talk yeah. about. Yes, let's end on a lighter note, I guess. Um, what about your pets? So we love our pets, right? We love them. I love most of them. <laughs> no, you love them all. So we have two dogs and two cats, and we treat them like. I mean, they're total members of the family, right? Right. I mean, if we would sit down and talk about international geo-arbitrage, they'd be sitting at the table with us. <laughs> they'd have a say, right? <laughs> what do you do? Can you take your... Can you just take your... We have four pets. Can we just take them and well, move Well, some countries us? require quarantine for up to uh, two yes, years. Yes, I am aware of that. Okay, yes. so you have to quarantine your pet for two years, which it cannot be Is part really of your family. Is it up to two it years? It can be up to two years. Wow. Go look it up. Yeah. Wow. So they can do that if they wish to. 
And most of all, what happens if you move to a country where they look down upon dogs or, or things like that, or they don't, they don't take care of the, the domestic the animals, yeah. animals the, the way, way we do. Way so you, you don't have veterinary service and you don't have the ability or, or 24 hour emergency wards for animals. I mean, I'm sure no matter where you go, you can seek those services out. I'm sure. Well, um, some but the, it, but it's going to be more difficult. Absolutely. You're going to have to seek them out. It's not going to be as. And some of the places we've seen, they're very remote. Yes, don't don't tell true. me they have an that's urgent true. care for pets around the corner. Listen, we were just at a soccer tournament today yes. and realized we left a bag of Halloween candy on our daughter's bed, and we were both like flipping out, thinking our dog might have devoured this chocolate while yep. we were gone for hours today, and thinking, oh my gosh, we're gonna go back, we're gonna have to rush him to the. To the ER, which literally is like two miles away. Yes. And we could do so on a Sunday evening if we needed to. Right. So you might not have that option. You may not have that option. Depending on where you go. And it's, it's not a, I, you know, it's it's just one more thing that we ask, what if? Yes. That's yes, it. Exactly. So that's all I have, really. I, I think I, those are good questions. Look, again, just question, question, question. Do your research. Extended stays, different times of the year. And just try to look at it from every angle and even from, you know, your children's point of view. Like, really take them into consideration yeah. if you're moving with kids. Because, look, this is this is going to change the entire trajectory of their life. Absolutely. Just have a detailed plan because life gets in the way. And, hey, like I said... Feel free to um, email us and and let us know what that you know what we're talking about is if it's relevant if if you have any insight we'd love to hear from yeah, or, you or other questions that we could add to yeah. the to the blog post we'd love it yeah all right we're out well thank you for listening hope you folks have a great week see ya bye uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a review and if you want to read our blog it's madmoneymonster.com and we are all over social media at madmoneymonster want to get in touch, you can email us at themadmoneymonster at gmail.com.